and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more life. Mom. Mom. Mommy. Mom. Hey, Mom. 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 Dad? No. Mom. 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 And to this, all of the women say, what do you want? Church, we are no stranger to the persistent. Whether it's our kids, our spouses, or the guy who really wants to let us know that our car warranty is expired. <laughs> but the reality is, is that our perception of persistence, our real world perception, is that persistence is undignified. Persistence is annoying. Persistence is bothersome. So today, as we look at our text, as we look at the passage of the parable of the persistent widow, we see this strange passage that teaches us the value of persistence before God. You see, as we dive into this text, I want you to understand kind of the Jewish mindset around persistence. You see, persistence was uh, oftentimes equated to the beggar on the street, who as they would go to the temple, there would be someone with a can desiring your alms, someone that's, that's asking for something that we, you, might, you might even divert your path so that you might uh, get away from that person, the persistence was annoying, was bothersome. This even, uh, this even uh, played into the way that they viewed their relationship with God. Right? There was, there's, a, there's a separate extra-biblical text called the Talmud. And it, it was not the, not the, the Torah, the, the biblical text that the, the Jews would preach out of, uh, but it was their interpretation of how we practically live out the things in Scripture. And so the priests would... Uh, would come up with this, these kind of, um, kind of narratives. They would come up with these, these ways in which we ought to practice our faith. And one of those teachings, based around Daniel, right, the passage where he prays morning, afternoon, and night, and never ceases to pray morning, afternoon, and night, um, you are allowed to pray three times a day as a Jew, as a Jew, it was, it was, uh, that was kind of your ritual, was to pray those three times a day. And especially, uh, we don't want to burden the ear of God, overburden the ear of God, and so keep your prayers to those three ritual times of prayer. Most definitely, do not engage in hourly prayer, daily, or, or, that, or that kind of persistent prayer. You see, what Jesus is speaking into when he tells us this parable is that he is, uh, he is drawing a, co- a complete distinction between his kind of relationship with, with his people and the, this three times a day limit 
to prayer. He calls us to persistent prayer. And so our passage speaks directly into that understanding and how that draws us, how it teaches us about the heart of God and it draws us into a relationship with the heart of God. If you would, please stand with me as we read the gospel passage in Luke. Luke chapter 18. This is Luke speaking the words of Jesus in the parable of the persistent widow. And he says this. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what the people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with this plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I do not fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This passage is a precarious passage in Scripture. Um, you know, for the longest time in my life, I, I would read this scripture and kind of, kind of put it over here in this category of, I don't get it, right? Anybody ever done that with a passage of scripture? They just kind of put it aside and be like, ah, that doesn't really fit into my understanding of, of who God is. So it's just that I don't get it kind of passage. And this one seemed strange to me. It didn't fit into my understanding of, of who God was. You know, it seems almost like like God just caves under the pressure of, a, of this persistence. Kind of like a, a dad that's tired of saying no to Nutella for dinner when, when his wife's out of town, right? Not that that would ever happen in my house. But as we take a deeper look into this text, I think it gives us a beautiful image, a beautiful image of God's heart, of his calling for us, and how we ought to lean into him. So beginning, we're going we're gonna to kind of walk through this passage. We're going to walk through the text a little bit. So starting in verse 1 of chapter 18, we say, we see here it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Very rarely does Jesus ever give uh, in a parable, especially the message of the parable, right? He always tells them a parable and then he, he kind of leaves it to them to f figure out what it means. Right, and the disciples are often like, what in the world was that? And they come to him later and they're like, Jesus, what, what in the world did that mean? Right, but he clearly, he lays out like his thesis statement for this parable right at the beginning. And he gives us a beautiful sermon title. Just keep praying. He gives us a framework for how we ought to view the rest of this text. In fact, uh, 
oftentimes the author will give uh, some very key prominent pieces of, of data at the very beginning and, off, and the very end. And so Luke kind of bookends this text. Beginning in verse 1, he says that they should always keep praying and not give up. And in verse 8, we jump down. He says, however, when the Son of Man comes, we find faith on earth. As if, as if there is a, a clear distinction, a clear uh, tie together here between persistence in prayer and sustenance in faith. Let me say that again, because I think it's huge for us. There is a clear distinction between persistence in prayer and, and the sustenance of our faith. And what he lines out in the middle is the why. What he lines out in the middle of this text is this beautiful image of why that makes sense. Why those two things are connected so intimately. When we saw in the video, uh, we saw this, this image, this, this, um, this challenge of praying for one thing consistently. Right After a year that it hadn't been answered, it kind of took a, a place of dormancy, like, okay, maybe, maybe this thing isn't working. And as she was able to rally her friends, as she was able to rally community around this prayer concern and realize that maybe I should stop tell, telling God what he's supposed to do and begin to listen and begin to, to be faithful to, to what I've been called to, her heart began to change toward God. You know, this is hard for us because we live in such an immediate society, right? I mean, we live in a society of fast food, of Instapot, of Instagram, of Facebook or Meta or whatever it's called now, right? In this, in this world where uh, everything needs to happen now, I wake, I wake up every morning thinking about what is the latest news? Anybody, anybody feel that way? What did, what did Putin do now? What happened in NFL free agency now, right? Uh, we, we get caught in this, I need to know what is next. What, what's new in the world? What's happening? I need this constant immediacy. It used to be that if something happened in a neighboring town, you didn't hear about it until somebody came the next day or two days or the next week uh, to, to go trade or barter. And, and it was... Your whole life wasn't dependent on everything that was happening in the world and needing to know right now. You see, I think our need for immediacy creates anxiety. But our trust in God's time creates peace. You see, this, I think this passage gives us a beautiful image between, in the dichotomy between Kronos and Kairos. We hear Bert talk about that a lot. Kronos and Kairos, this Kronos, this, this linear time that we understand in the Kairos of God's time. As we trust in the, in the Kairos, in the Kairos, God's timing of things, it brings about a sense of peace in our lives. Verse two, we learn about one of the, one of the, the key char characters in our text today. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. 
Now that doesn't sound like a very good judge to me, right? A judge who is, his one job requirement is justice, right? His one, one job requirement is to, to bring justice to fruition. We have a judge who doesn't care about people and who doesn't fear God. What we know, typically, uh, when, this is, when this kind of character quality is, um, is given for someone of, in power and in authority, uh, we see that they are corrupt. And this was a common problem in those times that the richest person who came to court would win. Some things never change, do they? And so the richest person that comes to court would be able to buy the ear of the, of the judge. And the person who was vulnerable in that situation was put to shame, was cast aside. My heart breaks for, uh, we, we've seen a situation in, in, the, in the news, you know, we've seen those situations all over the place. I hope that that wherever Deshaun Watson goes, that he finds justice in those places. I don't, I don't know what happened in that whole situation. But we see that over and over, right? That, that justice is not always given to those who are, who are vulnerable. We see and know a little bit about the heart. Jesus oftentimes scolds the scribes for stealing widows' homes in foreclosure when their husband passes away because they don't have inheritance. If they don't have a son, then they don't receive the inheritance that their, that their husband passed down to them. Though it might be right in the eyes of the law, it is unjust. And Jesus oftentimes calls us to, to, to witness, to ministry to the widow and the orphan, to those who are oppressed. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. Verse 3, we see the next character come into the scene. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with this plea. Give me justice against my adversary. We don't, obviously we don't know what the situation, what the circumstance is, but we know that she desires justice for something that has happened and she is passionate about her, her plea. She's passionate about her, uh, the situation that she is in. You know, Jeannie's desperation for her daughter led her to a persistence of prayer. And oftentimes that's the case, right? Our desperation, our personal desperation, it's this thing has hit me so hard, my situation so hard, that it leads me to persistent prayer about it. But I think also there's another way that we are led into persistence in prayer. And oftentimes it begins with persistence, Right? Oftentimes when, when the plight of another is not significant to us and we engage in a persistent prayer, it actually draws our hearts nearer to their, to their plight. I've seen that in my prayer for the Ukrainian people. 
that over time, as I continue to pray, it draws my heart nearer to the heart of God's and, and it draws me into compassion. Persistence for others leads to compassion. As we continue to pray, it draws our hearts towards one another. How many times have you said, somebody asked for a prayer, you said, I'll pray for you. We pray just once, maybe even for them in that moment, and then we just forget. But what if, what if four, five, six, hourly, we, get, we prayed for that person? That person is persistently on our hearts. Would our compassion not grow for that person? Would our compassion not grow for their need through our persistence? And finally, I think persistence in communal prayer, I think it draws us together as a, as a congregation, right? The reason why we do prayers for the people and we list off a, a list of names is not for gossip's sake, right? It's not so that you might know what's happening, but so that you might be in prayer for the people of, of this community, so that your hearts might be drawn together as you persistently pray for one another. And as you persistently pray for one another, as you hear somebody's name on the list, would you call them up and pray for them right there? Would you reach out to them and text them so that they know that community is together? We either come at persistence through desperation or we begin persistence and it leads us to compassion. But either way, when we do it together in community, it draws us together. I loved in the video when Jeannie talks about, um, about this prayer journey. She talks about how me and my friends prayed for 10 years. What a beautiful image. Me and my friends prayed for 10 years. A joining of the hearts in compassion for one another we were praying for someone for 10 years who is not, not of our own kin, does that not draw our hearts nearer together? In verse four, we see some of the conclusion of this story. It says, for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I do not fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets the justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me, right? In the Greek, uh, it is, uh, it's, it's this word that, uh, that actually means like a black eye, like that she would be hit under the eye and have, have a darkness of the eye, right? This, this judge is, is genuinely fearful that this widow will come and attack him, Right? This shows the passion, this shows the persistence of this woman, that it's not just some, some hope or some dream that this might happen. It is all-consuming. It is her life. And maybe, just maybe, her life actually depends on this justice. Talk about a mama bear. Right? We should call these persistent prayers mama bear prayers, right? He feared for his safety. In verse six, it says, and the Lord said, listen. The Lord begins to teach his lesson. Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? 
I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. This, we begin to see the why. We begin to see the why between persistence and a, a, a sustained faith. And that is because God is good. Friends, keep praying because God is good. Keep praying because God is worthy of our trust, because God is better than that judge, because God's heart is for his people, because God's heart cares about the things that you care about, because God's heart is to see his people drawn back into him and to see justice in our world where, un where unjust things are done every single day. In prayer, God is asking us to trust that he is good. The promise here is not that God will give us what we want, but that God will bring justice. A key distinction. Because when we come to God with persistent prayer, we want what we want, don't we? When we come to God with persistent prayer, it is for a specific thing, and we want what we want. And I loved what Jeannie said. I had to come to a point where I needed to stop telling God what to do and start asking my heart to align with his. That is part of the journey of persistent prayer, is that we see that God is good. We, we begin to trust God in different ways as we, as we develop in our prayer life, as we develop in, in and through persistent prayer. We hear a passage like this and we are tempted to begin to think about God as a formula. That, you know, if, if I just pray hard enough or I pray persistent enough, I pray enough, I have enough people around me that are praying, then it will come true and that God will bring about what I want. But he says that I'll bring about justice. What God is trying to, to communicate to us is to keep praying and to trust in him. To keep praying and trust in him. And as we keep praying and, and trust in him, then he will bring those together in a sustainable faith. That he will sustain our faith through thick and thin. And so he asks us the question, church. When the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? I think he turns that question back to the individual. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in you? Have you continued to consistently, persistently pray? Those things that are hard, those, those situations that, that begin to, to wear you down, he says, do not lose heart, but continue in prayer. I love Jeannie's testimony again. At nine and a half years, can you imagine she got a little exhausted from praying? You know, I think there's, for each one of these success stories in prayer, there are a hundred, maybe a thousand that feel unfulfilled. That feel like they are not yet. Church, take heart. 
do not stop praying because God is with you, because God is trustworthy and God will sustain you. As we close out our service today, it's gonna to look a little bit different. Um, some of you are probably wondering what these little, these little blue cards are that are in your, in your seats. These blue cards, which I think mine fell somewhere. Here it is. We're gonna take a, a, a few moments to write our persistent prayers. What is the prayer that you have been praying for years, for days, for weeks, for months? And I think so often we hold those together. We, we hold those within ourselves. We hold those so tightly. Maybe your prayers for the Ukrainian people. And that's been your prayer every day that you've woken up. Maybe your prayer is for, uh, for someone that you love. I want you to write those prayers down. And what we're going to do is you're going to come and, uh, and take and, and pin that prayer to this board. You don't have to write your name on it. But as we bind our, ourselves together in community, when we begin to pray for other people's prayers. And so take, come and take and pin your prayer up on the board. Take a moment to kneel at the altar and to pray over someone else's prayer. Maybe you pin it and then just read someone else's prayer and just take that to heart and begin to pray for someone else's prayer. Maybe that's for the Ukrainian people. You see, we have, uh, we have our prayer shawls, which is a beautiful image of what it means to pray for our community and to pray for one another. And so as, we, as you come up, if you want to take one of those prayer shawls to someone who you know is in need, uh, then you can take that prayer shawl. There's a, there's a a notepad over here that you can write who you're going to give that to so that we know who receives that. And so we're going to close this service with just an open time of prayer. There's not going to be a formal benediction. After you've written your prayer and, and stuck it on the board, if you don't want to stick it on the board, you can just drop it in the basket if it's something that you don't want up on a board. But then you're just going to be able to just have the space to pray in here and to, and to leave. I wanna, I wanna close us and open up our time of prayer together with uh, the prayer that the bishop of the, uh, Euro, the Eurasian uh, conference prayed over this crisis. A man who's in a very difficult situation who is stationed in Moscow but responsible for congregations and churches in Ukraine, in Russia, in Moldova. And he prayed this. Lord, we know that it shouldn't be. People shouldn't bear death. People should not be killed. People should not lose their loved ones on the battlefields. Cities and villages should not be turned into war zones. Children should not be victims. The war should not be a means to achieve peace. Lord, we need a new heaven and a new earth. We remember the world that you gave us and we mourn 
that we have lost it. We all want to be safe, but our security is not in force. Spare us the ravages of war and teach us the ways of peace. Lord, hear our prayers.